Hey everyone, thanks for listening to SwiftCast. If you're a fan of Taylor, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on iTunes or your podcast app, and it will automatically download our episodes for you each week. We have a lot of exciting episodes and guests as Reputation rolls out, so you'll only be doing yourself a favor by subscribing. Also, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr, at SwiftCast13, or you can find all of our episodes and social media at our website, SwiftCast13.com. Enjoy the show! everyone, welcome to episode 224 of SwiftCast. This is Steph, Ashley, Adam, and Nate. And for the first time in a while, we are bringing you a regular episode with segments and everything. We hope to remember how to do all of our different segments because <laughs> it's been a while since we've done them. But the reason why we haven't done them in a while is a good thing. We have been so busy getting ready for the new reputation era. We've had some great guests on recent episodes and we've been having even more content than we usually do with more episodes than is typical for our podcast. So we hope that you will catch up on all of our special episodes that we've had. We've had so many that I just want to list them for you so that you can be sure that you don't miss any of them. On episode 223, we had switched on pop for an in-depth analysis of the lyrics of Look What You Made Me Do and the musical structure of the song. On episode 222, we had Brian Mansfield, who rejoined us to talk about his expectations for the album. On episode 220, we heard from all of you about your reactions to the Look What You Made Me Do music video. On 219, we talked with Right Said Fred about how I'm Too Sexy was used in Look What You Made Me Do. On episode 218, we had an interview with Billboard's Jason Lipschutz. And on episode 217, we had an interview with Rolling Stone's Brittany Spanos. And on episode 215, we had an interview with Perez Hilton. And we've been trying to bring you all this interesting content and interviews with other people because as you probably know by now Taylor's pretty quiet lately and it seems like she's staying true to her word that there will be no explanation there will only be reputation (laughs) that gets funnier every time (laughs) I hear it (laughs) but it does seem like that's what she's doing right oh absolutely to me it seems that the only way that we're going to be hearing from Taylor is through these like behind the scenes videos or through things that she directly puts out and not so much uh, anything with any type of media source. I still wonder if that will change come late October and into November, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. But for now, we want to give you as much content as possible. And that's why we're introducing other people's opinions and analyses of reputation and what people are expecting for this exciting era. But like Nate said, Taylor has done some things directly with behind the scenes videos and advertisements for AT&T. So we are going to be focusing on those for our main discussion for this week, which will be really exciting. And I think the really cool thing too, is that since reputation 
hasn't even been released yet. I mean, we still have 13 songs left on the album that we have not even heard. I know that so many more people uh, are going to want to continue talking about Reputation. So stay tuned to our podcast. We're going to have a lot of great stuff for you as Reputation rolls out. Yes, we already have some very exciting new episodes in the works for you in the coming weeks. So while you catch up on our past episodes, also be looking forward to our future ones. For now, we are going to move into some news on Taylor. So for the first part of our news segment, we've gathered a bunch of pretty exciting quotes from people that have heard either all of the album or parts of the album. And there's a quote from Mert Alice, and he is the photographer who did all of the album artwork, which is very exciting. I know we all can't wait to see the rest of it. So he just said that he hasn't heard the full album, but what he's heard, it's very good. Joseph Kahn, of course, you guys know, is the director of the Look What You Made Me Do music video, and he recently did an interview with Variety and talked a little bit about Taylor. And one thing that came up was the old Taylor versus the new Taylor, because of course in the song she says the old Taylor is dead, and Joseph said that Taylor is still consistent in who she is, which basically means that the old Taylor and the new Taylor are the same. His quote is, Taylor is Taylor. She's so consistent in who she is. Her imaging may be changing depending on what the thematics of the art is that she's producing, but the person remains the same. There's a core person there that's a really fantastic human being. And then when he was asked about the album, he said, I've heard the whole album and it's spectacular. I'm a video director. I'm not a musician, so what she does is magical in her sensibilities in terms of what she thinks is a good song and how songs should be constructed and the things she writes about. It's always impressive for me every single time. The album is a monster. That quote gets me really excited. You know, knowing Joseph Kahn, he always seems to speak like in these, uh, I don't know, like he's he's hinting towards something. I don't know. This album is a monster. Does that does that mean anything? I think of Zombie Taylor. I think of, I don't know. Who knows? I wonder if that means more than, than he's putting out there. Maybe. You think it's a little clue? Maybe a song title or something? Could be. I don't know. Might be. Well, either way, uh, this next quote is from Ed Sheeran. Uh, also, again, he's listened to the album. I think this is a really cool quote from him. Ed states, Her music. I love it when an artist comes back with an album and no one understands it for the first week. And then after the first week, everyone's like, Ah, I kind of get it. I love that. Like, even when she brought Shake It Off out last time for the first week, I didn't quite get it because I was used to Red Taylor or Speak Now Taylor. Yeah, but then you understand it, and, like, I think all artists have to evolve. I actually got it faster than I thought I'd get it, because I was like, oh, sick. Like, she's obviously trying something new, and it worked. I love how he refers to Red Taylor and Speak Now Taylor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that just proves that Ed is a Swifty. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, he does have Red permanently tattooed on his body. That's a very good point. You know, the thing I really like about this quote is, is... just how true it is. I mean, you think about every time Taylor releases new music, and a lot of people love it right away, which obviously is great, but a lot of people, it takes a little bit for them to process. And I think the same was especially the case with Look What You Made Me Do. So for him to uh, say this and and realize what's happening, and then being like, it's okay if you don't get it right away, because it's going to be awesome once you do understand it. I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and Jack Antonoff, 
explained in a recent interview that he thinks people did miss the boat and didn't quite get the song immediately. He said, the idea there on Look What You Made Me Do was let's make something that doesn't sound like what's going on right now. Sonically, it was like, let's just freak it out. But he acknowledged that the reaction to the song has been all over the place and sometimes bemusing to watch, whether it's the fans he sees welcoming the song or the media he sees dismissing it. And with respect to that, he said, I'm sort of blown away by how many critics have missed the camp in it. And I do have to wonder, I think critics reviewed the song immediately. That's just the way the world is that we live in now. A song is out and reviews are released immediately, within hours. And I feel like this song, it really, it needed some time. I feel like if critics would review the song today, which is exactly one month after its release as we're recording, I feel like the reviews would be very different. I agree, especially after watching the music video too. I feel like it only is made more clear by that music video that the whole thing pretty much is satire. But if, if you want to read the whole article on Jack, it's from a source called Stereo Gum, and it was really interesting. They just talked about what an impact he's had on music and that the future will likely be Jack as a producer of all important music, which is pretty exciting. And that's pretty much what we were all talking about with Brian just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of when I read the article. And I definitely think it's true. And I think there are probably a lot of Grammys in Jack's near future. Definitely. So our last quote pertaining to the album itself was one that a lot of people got very excited over on social media. And we don't know who said it. It was just the source submitted to Rolling Stone. But they described it as, quote, lyrically sharper and more emotionally complex than 1989 which is just builds so much anticipation and I don't know how I'm going to survive until November 10th. That's so true though. And I love that they used specifically lyrically sharper because for me, one reason I've always loved listening to Taylor's music is because she's such a great songwriter. The lyrics themselves, I mean, obviously are always something that fascinates me. So I can't wait. I cannot wait. Well, in a rare instance, Taylor was actually seen this past week, but it was at a private event. She appeared at Universal Music Group and Virgin EMI's company event in London, and there were a couple of pictures that came out of that party, and she was looking good. Yeah, she looked great. Although we didn't get many details about this event. I'm kind of curious what it was like. Yeah, you have to wonder what made her choose to attend this event when she's been skipping pretty much everything. Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, it sounds like it was some sort of business event, probably something that was smart for her to do as we're getting closer to the album release. Well, for me, I can only hope that we're going to be seeing Taylor more and more as uh, we draw near and near to reputation. It's crazy that it's already been a month since Look What You Made Me Do came out, because in just a few days, we'll be in October, and we'll be able to say the album comes out next month. Oh, wow. I didn't think of that, but that is so fantastic. 
I'm sorry, I just fainted for a second. I came back. (laughs) (laughs) It felt so far away when we first got the news. Well, in the time before we even got the news, it felt like it would never happen. But even though we've been waiting all this time, almost three years for this, I just don't know if I can wait any longer. I don't know how I'm going to make it. It does feel like forever away. But like you said, it's really hard to believe Look What You Made Me Do has already been out for a full month. So maybe it will go quickly. Well, of the songs that already have been released, obviously they've already done extraordinarily well. And so for our next few bits of news, we have some awesome statistics for you guys about these songs. Uh, With Ready For It, uh, it debuted at number four on the Hot 100. And so because of that, Taylor has now extended her lead as the artist with the most top 10 debuts, with 14 total. That was pretty amazing that Ready For It isn't even an official single, but it debuted at number four on the Hot 100. Yeah, it's funny you say that because of the 14 that debuted, uh, not all of them were singles. Uh, The list is Back to December, Begin Again, Change, I Don't Want to Live Forever, Fearless, I Knew You Were Trouble, If This Was a Movie, Jump Then Fall, Mine, of course, Ready for It, Red, Shake It Off, Speak Now, and Today Was a Fairy Tale. So you have some really crazy ones in that list. Things you would never think would have debuted uh, at the top 10. Oh, yeah. If you told me to guess the 14 that debuted in the top 10, I don't know. I maybe would get four right on this list. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a good trivia question someday, Nate. You should save this. Ah, man. Don't worry. It's coming now. I'm going to throw you off. (laughs) In other exciting news... Look What You Made Me Do is continuing to just sell so many downloads worldwide. The song is now certified platinum in Australia, gold in New Zealand, and silver in the United Kingdom. And our last piece of news, as we mentioned earlier, it's been 30 days since the release of Look What You Made Me Do. And the song has spent 20 of those 30 days at number one on the world iTunes chart. So that is pretty solid. Yeah, I think that's impressive. And even just over the past few days, it's been very steady at number one. So hopefully it will hold on for a while longer. That's all we have for news. But next we're going to move on to our fashion segment, which has been missing for so many months. Because as you know, Taylor has been somewhat of a disappearing act for the whole year. But we actually have some great fashion updates for you this week. And I think it's completely appropriate that Nate kicks us off with his favorite segment, the fashion segment. Oh, absolutely. I just cannot wait to mispronounce all of these things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, so our first bit of fashion news for you guys is when Taylor attended Abigail's wedding. Uh, This is in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, uh, on September 2nd. And Taylor was seen wearing a Jenny Yu Mira gown in hibiscus. Uh, It only cost $285, which uh, for Taylor, as we know, is somewhat relatively inexpensive. Uh, And she was also seen wearing Stuart Weitzman hijinks sandal in Bordeaux suede. Hmm. Uh, Those are normally $485, but on sale for $220.99. I want to say as far as gowns go, it's probably the least expensive gown that she has ever worn. I think in her entire life, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Although you do have to admit, it's nice that Abigail chose something reasonable because her other bridesmaids probably didn't want to spend a lot of money on their gowns. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. I love sort of this deep reddish purple color for essentially a fall wedding. I mean, it was early September, but still. Yeah, I think the color is great. And the shoes match perfectly. Well, our last piece of fashion for this week is from the AT&T Taylor Swift Now commercial, which we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes. But for the commercial, Taylor played on her Gibson Custom J185 acoustic guitar, which is not available for purchase. She wore a Lucy Cotton distressed t-shirt, which is by NSF, and it is $150. And she wore that shirt underneath her sweater, which was the Topshop distressed striped sleeve sweater, which was $68, but is on sale for $32.97, which is a good deal. And this sweater is gray and long-sleeved with black stripes on the sleeves. And for shoes, Taylor wore the Empire Strauss lace-up sneakers, which are by Marc Jacobs and are $295. The thing that stands out for me there is the t-shirt, $150. I spend about $5 on (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. Right, I didn't even notice that she was wearing a t-shirt underneath her sweater until I'm now reading our fashion updates. It still kind of reminds me of 1989, though, uh, just because it's almost like a crop top sweater. I don't know. I've never seen anything like that before. True, it is. I'm wondering, because from what we've seen of Taylor so far, it's just been so like, almost like dressed down, if that makes sense. Just very casual. I wonder if that's just what's going to mark her fashion choices for this era. We've seen a lot of sweaters. We've seen um, like longer sleeve, baggy clothes kind of thing. I wonder if that's just what we should expect for the next era. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that makes sense. Every time we've seen her, it has been that kind of style. I guess I feel like we just don't have enough information yet to try and predict what she might wear while on tour. But I personally would love it if on tour she just wore like shorts and t-shirts. I think that would be such a nice change. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely possible. Well, that's all we have for fashion for this week, but we do hope to be bringing you more fashion because that will mean that Taylor will be out and about. We will be right back with our main discussion. As we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Taylor has been giving us a lot of direct content about reputation, which is really exciting. In the past few weeks, we have seen her release behind-the-scenes videos from the Look What You Made Me Do video, which is really exciting. And there also was an AT&T commercial, along with some behind-the-scenes footage of the making of the commercial. So for our main discussion, we're going to be covering all of the videos that have been released lately. We're going to start with the the behind-the-scenes videos from Look What You Made Me Do. Ringleader Red Tour and Sparkly Dress Fearless Long Hair Curly with, with 13 on her hand. Boots should be fighting. And I hit her in the face with my 13. I love that. I'm not 
not sure where that came from. I have no experience in home invasion. But you know, you just gotta follow the muse. I had some hat. So I'm sure that a lot of people were very curious how exactly the zombie scenes in the music video got created. Adam, you, I think, said on an earlier episode you thought it was CGI. I did, and I was definitely proven wrong. It was all makeup. I agreed with you. It really looked like just well-done CGI. Just because everything else in the video, the CGI was just so well done, I thought Zombie Taylor also was. Well, I think the makeup artist they had for Zombie Taylor actually is someone who works on The Walking Dead. So I think they picked the perfect person. Oh, get out of here. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't remember the name, but I do remember reading that. Can you guys imagine, because obviously they did such a great job keeping this music video under wraps, if a photo had leaked while we were waiting for all of this news about <laughs> <Zombie> Taylor. <laughs> that would have been so funny. <laughs> Everyone would have said, that's fake. There's no way that that's in her video. Even when I saw the video for the first time, I just remember how startling it was. Well, even the eyes. Ooh, the eyes are creepy. Like, <laughs> Right, especially in this video. Yeah, and I assume those just have to be colored or tinted contacts, right? That's what I thought. I think in one of the videos, it kind of showed her blinking almost, like she was putting in a contact. I think that's what those were. And I liked how the video showed they didn't leave one part of her untouched like they did... Of course, her hands, her face, and then even all the way down to her feet. They did everything. And Taylor's comments about being a zombie were just classic Taylor. Yes, she said, when you look this gross, you have no physical insecurities at all. (laughs) And when she said that this look is called, you know, straight up dead. (laughs) What did she say? I think everyone needs to end up looking like a corpse at least once in their life. Yes. Right, right. (laughs) She did, yeah. Because it's so freeing. Did we ever find out how long it actually took them to put Zombie Taylor together? Like, start to finish, uh, how long the makeup process lasted? No, that's one thing they didn't say. And I was really curious. And I also... I'm guessing they only did it once and made sure they shot all of the scenes in one day. But I kind of wonder if it took hours and hours, were they able to actually do that? Yeah, right. I mean, it's just so detailed that, I don't know, you'd think it would just take forever to put something like that together. Yeah, it was really fascinating. And I don't think we ever expected to have a zombie tailor waving at us in a video. So I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, just that gif alone is priceless. Well, the second behind-the-scenes video was the one of the pile of Taylors, or I think it was also called Taylor Mountain. And that one was really cool. It was a little bit longer. And one of the early quotes in the the behind-the-scenes that Taylor said was, This is the trippiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And that was when all the different Taylors were out there in all their different outfits And they were all lookalikes like her. They tried to get actresses that were probably blonde and her height so that they could make the editing easy. But the way I think it was filmed based on the video was it looks like Taylor did dress up as each of the old Taylors. And then so they filmed the scene multiple times 
with Taylor in each of the outfits and all of the stand-ins also there so that then in the editing process they could put it all together and you would see Taylor and her face on all the different Taylors rather than all the stand-ins, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Although I, my impression was they only made her put the outfit on if her face would actually be shown. For example, one I'm thinking off the top of my head is the 2014 VMA award outfit, the blue romper with all the different letters on it. I think in the video, you only see the back of Taylor in that outfit. So I was thinking they only had the stand in since you couldn't actually see her face. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you're right on that too, Steph. When in the behind the scenes video, when they're showing like the, the creation of Taylor Mountain and they have the like green screen steps and they do specifically the one shot that kind of pans from Reputation Taylor's um, like the bird's eye view and it kind of pans forward. You only see like, I don't know, maybe like six tailors on the actual staircases and they film each individual tailor separately, the ones that, that they show her face in. And then they kind of piece it all together, it looks like. So anyway. It was really interesting because I had no idea how they did that. And one of the funniest scenes was when they were discussing the ringleader Red Tour Taylor versus the sparkly dressed Fearless Taylor. And Taylor says, can I hit her in the face with my 13? Because <laughs> <laughs> they were arguing and fighting and um, pulling on the the ringleader's uh, baton or, or stick or whatever you call it. <laughs> Even just hearing Taylor talk about herself and say ringleader Taylor, sparkly guitar Taylor, it's just like, it was mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it seemed like she was the one who came up with that. It looked like she said, let's do these two, which I thought was pretty cool. I think the best part was that when they were filming, you know, Fearless Taylor and uh, Red Tour Taylor, and they filmed them each separately, and you see both sides of, of Taylor just absolutely going ballistic and screaming at each other. And she's like, get out of my house. She's just saying all this crazy stuff. <laughs> it, it is just the funniest scene. And then later, Taylor said she's never actually had a home invasion, so she didn't know why she was saying <laughs> I would love to know when they went and cast all of these Taylors for the video, did Taylor herself attend and help choose the people? I actually don't think so, because I believe at the very beginning of this video, when she walks in, she like says, hi, nice to meet you, like she hasn't met them before. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Right. And she says, hi, I'm Taylor, classic Taylor again. I bet she at least went through all of the submissions, maybe not at the actual casting call, but I would bet she was the one deciding who the final people were. Yeah, I was thinking for the casting, they probably had to be very specific. You probably had to be exactly the right height and measurements to be able to fit in those outfits. Yeah, that's true. That's something I didn't even think about at all. It's possible that they replicated some of them or adjusted them slightly, but I would love to know how long just casting that part of it took. Yeah, me too. I would love to know the secrecy behind it too, because, uh, what was it, like 10 different girls? What were they expecting? What did they know? And and what were they told after the video about, about keeping it a secret? I just think that's really interesting. 
Well, knowing Joseph, it was probably like a dental floss commercial or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Taylor pops out. Hi, I'm Taylor. <laughs> and then the final part of the behind the scenes was the part when all the different Taylors are falling off of the mountain or the pile. And it was cool how they filmed it. Taylor was basically lying on her back in her junior jewel shirt and she was on like an extended arm and there was a wind machine blowing so she had to act like she was falling so she was like flailing her arms and legs and it looked pretty funny and her commentary was also hilarious yeah what did she say to joseph i don't know if you know me but uh i actively have to try to not be graceful yeah <laughs> <laughs> And one of the cool things we noticed about the Junior Jewel shirt was you could see where Taylor put Ed's name. And like we said earlier, Ed has a red tattoo on his arm and she put his name in the exact spot where he has his red tattoo on his left arm. Oh, that's crazy. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And Ed made a comment too. He said he he said that she sent him the photo and he realized right away oh wow she put my name right where my tattoo is she is no matter what she's doing the most detail-oriented person i have ever seen with anything (laughs) absolutely so our last behind the scenes video that we were able to see uh or at least for now let's put it that way is the scene where taylor was in the birdcage we got to see a little bit of of the making of that uh a couple funny things from that. Um, you see her kind of swinging around. Uh, you know, Joseph's asking her how she's hanging up there. You know, she's like, oh, ha. Um, but the funny part I thought about this video was uh, the rat, which was her co-star. Uh, she's petting it, and she's talking about how Meredith and Olivia uh, would hate this rat. And uh, she just kind of goes off on this whole, like, train of thought in the zone uh, rat pep talk, uh, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, it sounded like she really wanted to take the rat home, but because of Meredith and Olivia, the rat would need to go to a training facility to protect itself. For self-defense, it sounded like. (laughs) (laughs) It was really cool to see how huge that cage was, too. Because in the video, you just can't really visualize it as well. You know, and just the greater point about the birdcage, I'm still wondering if there is another song on this album or, or like, what the greater message of the birdcage scene is. Uh, I still haven't quite figured it out. I don't know if you guys have any insight. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing because I've seen a lot of people guessing what it might mean, and there's kind of obvious guesses, like the media puts her in a cage and, you know, she's kind of trapped by that image, but... Like you said, I feel like there's more to it, and I hope that that connects soon. Well, even if you think about Ready For It, the lyric, he can be my jailer, kind of reminds me of the birdcage in a way. Ah, that's a good one. I like that. And then, of course, I think Ashley mentioned before just how Taylor's always liked birdcages. If you look at her Wonderstruck perfume, it had a little charm of a birdcage and of course we all know that taylor has birdcages in her nashville condo so it's hard to know if maybe there will be a deeper symbolism for that or if maybe it's just something she wanted to do 
<laughs> she would have that on her bucket list. Swing inside a giant birdcage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, isn't there a, a fairly large birdcage in the center of her Nashville condo? And there's like a moat around it, I think. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And I don't know how much time she spent there recently, but it's definitely possible that that inspired it. Right. Hopefully we'll find out someday. Well, next we're going to move into Taylor's AT&T commercial, which also included behind-the-scenes footage. No. Oh, are you a saber-toothed tiger cub? Are you my baby wolverine? Are you the princess of Meowtown? Are you just a melting snowman? Are you just a sloth? Because you're a little unicorn kitty cat. Are you my magical pegasus? Do you want to write some songs? If you haven't seen this commercial, you should go watch it right now. It's hilarious. Taylor doesn't actually speak in the commercial at all. There's a narrator which is pretty good. And the narrator just leads the viewer through everything Taylor's doing. First, Taylor's sitting in the studio with her guitar. And then there's so much in this very short commercial, but essentially she gets hungry. She goes and eats a rice bowl with kale. Then she goes to the refrigerator and realizes she has kale on her shirt and she eats the kale right (laughs) off her shirt. And... Then she's she's kind of walking around to go back to the studio when she encounters Andy Samberg. And they get into this big fight. They have a staring contest. Then they doodle each other. And then they just get into a fight, kind of bad blood style. And Taylor slams him through the wall. And then Taylor's hungry again. So, <laughs> so then she finds some cookie dough in the mini refrigerator and she eats it then she realizes it's somebody else's cookie dough so she hides in a closet so that nobody finds out about it and then finally she returns to the studio and just as she picks up her guitar the narrator says and now she's playing a new song and that's it it's like this huge build-up and then 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 there's no new song but i think that was the whole point of it (laughs) And then Taylor says, three, two, one. And then she starts to take a breath like she's going to sing a note or start a song, which leaves everybody in suspense, but then it cuts off. Yeah, the guy says, and now we're out of time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What a letdown. Anyway, I thought it was a really creative way of advertising for Taylor Swift now. The whole thing is just so funny and silly, and every step of the way, you did not know what to expect, but it was just something hilarious every single time. I thought it was like the best thing that Taylor has ever done. Oh, yeah. Well, and I forgot to mention, she sees somebody wearing a dolphin shirt, so then she's Googling things. That was hilarious, too, because it reminds me of Taylor's old tweets when she would say, you know, she's up late at night Googling, what do frogs do in the winter? (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Everything is just so typical Taylor. Which just gives further credence to the idea that the old Taylor actually is not dead. And when you think about it, who is probably watching this video? I would guess that the majority of the general public did not watch it, that it's really only the fans like us who did. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. So I kind of feel like this was her way of just reminding everyone who's been there with her all this time that she's still there. Yeah, I think so. 
And it was kind of cool that Andy Samberg appeared in this because if you remember way back in 2009, when Taylor hosted and was the musical guest for Saturday Night Live, she did a skit. It was the final skit of the night and I think called the roommate skit, but Andy Samberg played the roommate's boyfriend and Taylor played the roommate. So that was just hilarious. And Andy Samberg, is on a show called Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And in that show, his character has had quotes about how much he loves Taylor Swift, which is just funny. So it was a nice little way of worlds colliding, I thought. Oh, agreed. It was just so unexpected to even see him there. But seeing him, it was almost like, you know, a, a long friendship where you can just like pick up where you left off. That's the feeling it gave when I saw Andy in that commercial. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really curious if... Well, it seems like we definitely will be getting more Taylor Swift Now content coming up soon, so I wonder if he'll appear in any more of it. Yeah, I hope so. We'll have to see. And then along with that Taylor Swift Now AT&T commercial, there was, I guess you would call it a behind-the-scenes video, very short. It was titled Tasty Prop, and it was basically just showing Taylor sitting on the kitchen floor between takes eating cookie dough and... I forget exactly what she says, but basically she's like, you know, I'm going to eat all this cookie dough and I don't care. Nobody can stop me. And What was it that she said uh, she really liked doing uh, method acting? I think it was. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think she said, I'm not going to fake eat this. This is I'm actually going to eat this. Anyway, it was just a really funny teaser clip for like a behind the scenes of the making of this commercial. Right. And for anybody listening that is doing the verified fan through Ticketmaster, where you can watch the videos to get boosts, both the commercial and the tasty prop are available to watch for boosts, as well as, as of Monday this week, the Taylor Mountain behind-the-scenes video was added, so you can get boosts for that one, too. Oh, good. I didn't realize that. So apart from that one that we saw on YouTube, Tasty Props, uh, the next one is titled The Squid and Olivia. Uh, and this one is just pretty funny. It's uh, a little bit more on Taylor talking about Olivia being in this commercial. The best part was that she referenced her as Dibbles. So anyway, uh, and then we actually get a little bit more bonus content of Taylor talking about Olivia uh, when she is naming Olivia all kinds of different names. And it's just hilarious as usual. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot to mention that. That was my favorite part. <laughs> but this behind the scenes with Olivia was so great. And Taylor calls her Princess of Meowtown. And it's funny because way back when Taylor was doing a video for the ACMs, she had Meredith in the video and she called Meredith the Princess of Kitty Town. Oh, are you serious? I had no idea. Yeah, it's the really funny one where Scott Bruschetta is trying to call her and she's playing with Meredith and then Scott is mad that oh. she won't answer. I forgot about that video. I need to go look that up again. Oh yeah, you should. It's so funny. So I guess Meredith lives in Kitty Town and Olivia lives in Meowtown. Good to know. <laughs> Too funny. I feel like the whole where is Meredith has almost become an internet meme of its own at this point. There were quite a few after this video, yeah. But seriously, where is that cat? 
<laughs> Taylor, I want to know. Maybe when Taylor did the video for the 1989 tour where she had both of them, it was just too much and she can't be on set with both of them again. Right. They can't work together. And I'm pretty sure that when Taylor got the very large scratch on her leg was when she had both of them filming the video for the 1989 tour. So I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Well, the final video that's featured on Taylor Swift now uh, is titled Thumb Wars, and it goes a little bit more in depth with uh, the battle that Taylor had with Andy Samberg during the commercial. And they don't say a whole lot, but you see the meet and greet, and then uh, just kind of, you know, the actual behind-the-scenes footage of them creating that. And of course, Taylor, again, in this behind-the-scenes, is also screaming at Andy Samberg uh, as she's punching him. So anyway, I thought it was really funny. And she was also hugging him, right? Oh, she did, right. Yeah, like kind of at the beginning. And then it, it was funny because they were doing all the different stare downs and things, but they're both like cracking up at each other. So anyway, definitely worth watching if you guys haven't checked out yet. Yeah, these were really cool. One thing that people noticed in the behind the scenes videos was that Taylor's old guitars were lined up in the studio. One was the red guitar that she used during the red tour. And another was a guitar that she used on the Ellen show. I thought that was cool. And I felt like it was there intentionally. Again, like we said earlier, that she's letting people know the old Taylor really isn't dead. Well, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, and that will download our latest episode for you automatically. And if you leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes, that helps other listeners like you to find our show more easily. If you'd like to contact us, please reach out to us. We are SwiftCast13 on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also email us at swiftcast13show at gmail.com. And you can visit our website at swiftcast13.com. And leading up to the album, we've been hearing a lot more from our listeners, which we always love. So please definitely reach out to us. Yeah, the feedback we've been getting is great. I mean, everyone just has awesome things to say about whatever we're talking about in the show. So please feel free. If you hear us say something and you want to contribute, just shoot us an email or, or reach out to us on social media. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And this one specifically we wanted to share. Uh, we got an email from a listener. Uh, her name is Jamie. And uh, she made a really interesting point talking about Ready For It. Uh, the email is, Hi, uh, first of all, love your podcast. I recently listened to your Ready For It episode and had some thoughts I was shocked that no one brought up, so I wanted to share them. I think Taylor dropped Ready For It on a Sunday morning to distract people from Abigail's wedding. When she, or someone on her team, posted the Insta story about the game, she was at Abigail's wedding at that time. For the last year, we've had no idea where Taylor was at any point in time other than her Houston show. But otherwise, she's all but disappeared. This was the only day that people would know where she actually was because everyone knew she wouldn't miss Abigail's wedding. So, she drops a single so people are distracted and focusing on the music rather than being at Abigail's wedding and bombarding Abigail. And to the point you made on the podcast, artists don't typically drop songs on a Sunday. I really think it was to distract people so they focus on her music and unknowingly give Abigail's wedding some privacy. Thanks, Jamie. That was a great email. And this episode was from a few weeks ago, but 
we did talk about how it was odd that Taylor released Ready For It on a Sunday. Now, granted, it's not an official single, so I think it's not required to be released on a Friday. But I love Jamie's great, great points about how Taylor probably was trying to distract from disrupting Abigail's wedding, which I thought was really nice. And obviously it worked because everyone ended up focusing on the single, so. Right. The announcement was made during the wedding at some point. It was made on Saturday. So everybody was just listening to the preview over and over again and waiting for 8 a.m. on Sunday to download the song. So thank you, Jamie, for your submission, and we hope to hear from our other listeners soon. We have some very exciting new episodes coming up for you between now and the release of Reputation, and we are just so excited to be starting a new era with all of you, and we can't wait to see what's in store. So we will see you soon, but for now, for episode 224, this has been Steph. Ashley. Adam. And Nate. Thank you. Bye, guys. See ya. Later. Later.